Hey, what's up? Hello. Rich here, Reinforced Podcast, episode number 73. I just looked that up. This is the 73rd installment of the Reinforced Running Podcast, which is pretty cool. On the 73rd episode, Josh and I have an episode of HHMZ. We talk about fat loss for the endurance athlete. So this is kind of a big topic and one that people kind of dance around a considerable amount just because there is a lot of nuance to it and there's a lot of emotional baggage that's also tied to fat loss and perception of body weight. So we talk about that and we talk about when it is appropriate to use fat loss as a tool for performance and all the type of things you need to uh, kind of check off your list before you go ahead and use that. But then once you decide this is something you want to do in a responsible way, we give you some tools to figure out exactly how to set some fat loss targets and then what that what the expectations of what that is going to feel like, what that is going to look like, when to use that in terms of your race season and some other different things in terms of how it is going to affect your your mood or your actual performance. Uh, we touch on some anecdotal stories and my personal history with um, diet and, and food and, and my relationship with my body composition uh, as well. So that's cool. So I hope you guys do enjoy. I really love this topic. This is something that I am very passionate about. Um, and I'm always happy to have my good friend. Josh Reed is fresh off of 20 push-ups. Nice job on those push-ups. <sighs> Thank you, son. Hey, you're watching my form. Did I get any no reps? I didn't I couldn't quite see all. It sounded it sounded right on point though. Do you do 20 push-ups before you do like everything? Is it like, all right, I'm about to hop on the phone, 20 push-ups. All right, I'm about to go to the grocery store. Here we go. 20 push-ups. Is that yes. how you roll? Yes. Like right. I get in the back of my van before I go in the grocery store and I just do 20 push-ups. People see it rocking. They don't ask questions. <laughs> like just push-ups, bro. Can't you, see the, can't you see the pump? Nah, but I drop I drop down and bust them out, you know. But it just when it calls to me. Just when it calls. I like it. It's smart. Yeah. Greasing the grooves. That's right, son. Just grease all over the floor. Um, what's the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? Dude, I it's funny when people ask that kind of question. Like, what's the what's the worst? Or like, you know, it's like that game never have I ever. Can't think of shit. Uh if mm. I got bad advice, I just totally let it fall to the wayside and it's not a part of my it's not in my brain. I don't have room for it. So I don't have I don't mm. have a good answer for it, man. But it's good. Sounds, it's good that you don't take bad advice. I do not take bad advice. I like internalize it. And I think, is that, does that sound right? And maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. What's a bad piece of advice that you've had? Well, I've, I've ones that are like related to my business. Like I had someone tell me to like buy a bunch of t-shirts for marketing and they're, they were expensive. And then I had a whole bunch of different sizes and I didn't know what to do with them. I thought that was terrible advice. I had some really bad pieces of advice for like accounting. Like it just, it's, it's hard when you get advice from people that you trust. And then it turns out it's like, Hmm, that was awful. <laughs> that was really something that I shouldn't have done in any way. And like you just take it for face value and like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so things like that. And I find that a lot, especially with it, if to tell people what I do. It's like, oh yeah, you know, I, I have a run coaching business and I do um, this and that. All It's all online. And people immediately want to be like, oh yeah. Have you ever done like group runs? It's like, no, I've thought about doing You should runs. do this. You should do that. <laughs> you should, yeah. have you, like, you know, people like, this is a small business. So people always think like, oh, I could do a small business or whatever, but I'm going to tell you the things that I think would work for you without even having any experience of doing anything at all or knowing anything of your background. So Here's some unwarranted advice. There you go. There you go. 
Yeah. So I would, I would say don't, um, if you, if you come across someone with a small business, don't just, just give them advice. <laughs> Ask them what they're doing first. But don't, don't, don't start out with t-shirts. T-shirts. Don't start out with t-shirts, man. It, it's a good idea. I wish I could get that and have that be a little bit more seamless. I think I can, but I don't want to have inventory. Oh, you know? I feel like the fake it till you make it thing is kind of ingrained in that somewhere. It's like, well, if I make the t-shirts and like I set this up, then like this will follow suit. People will think I'm serious. People will see my brand. It's like so can, brand marketing. see how someone might think that that works. Totally. And it's like brand marketing. It's like, oh yeah, I'll give you some marketing, man. I'll wear your t-shirt around. It'd be great. It's like, maybe, but like should, the people. You should probably have a quality product before you brand it on a t-shirt. <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> but like, like, no, the t-shirts are the quality, bro. But, and I, that was the thing. I didn't want to have a shitty cotton t-shirt. So I was like, if I'm going to a t-shirt, I want something that I'm going to like to wear. And cause I get, I hate getting bad quality t-shirts. I just put them, I just donate them right away. I'm like, I'm not going to like, why did you give this? And then it's like a marketing thing where it's like, yeah, the people will see it and it'll be marketing. But like, I don't know what people, people aren't going to take action on that. Like, how am I supposed to know how this, this t-shirt is going to pay off long-term in terms of my marketing efforts when you're out wearing it on a run or like wherever you are, no one's like, you can't click on the t-shirt to take you to the website, you know? Yet. Uh, Yet. Yet. Maybe that should be the advice that I would take and, and would like to, to, to run with is like, oh, okay, like let's start a company where you can click on the t-shirt to take you to the website. If someone Dude, has that know-how. I was thinking like the Google glasses, you know, or like in, in the future, we'll have the glasses and you'll see stuff and you might like look at an outfit someone's wearing. And you'll think like, I like that. And just like your brain tells the glasses or whatever to like go, or you click a button and it takes you to the site. Like immediately you're walking down the sidewalk and five seconds after you see the outfit, like in your left eye up in the upper corner, you're like scrolling, scrolling the clothes. And like you, you yeah. buy it before you hit the next block. <laughs> that's definitely going to happen. Oh my God, that's going to happen. That is such a good idea. And such a good, like, I, I'm sure, but that's not that far. Do you want, do you want to Black Mirror? in Amazon? Dude, I, we've talked about this. I, I'm after, after watching the heavy metal episode, I just like, oh, we did dude, watch. We did. The, we just talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. The episodes are, they're awesome, but like they hit too close to home because they're the perfect balance. The, it's brilliant. Like they make it, they make it kind of out there, but it's like something that could happen in the near future. It's not mm. so outlandish that you think that's never going to happen. You watch and you think like, holy shit, that's kind of right on par perhaps right. with the direction we're going. And thus is very disconcerting. Don't watch was, it right before bed. No, there is. An, and, and usually they're, they're kind of grim like that. Heavy metal one is not very uh, uplifting. There's a couple that are nice, but most of them are yeah. not Yeah. Nice. There's one with the, uh, like the antique store out in the middle of the desert. That had like a quote, um, quote happy ending. Oh, I'm not even sure. Okay, that was <laughs> um, a fun one. It was like the little the anyway. But um, there's an episode like that where like there's you, as soon as you're born, there's like a chip implemented into your brain where you record everything that happens, so you can run everything back and you have perfect recall for everything. But it just Ooh. kind of leads people to to mania and just kind of rerunning things and playing out these stories in their head and creating things that not, and just by like over and over and doing things. Dude, you, forget um, that, man. Just like bad advice, let it all fall away. Did uh, there's this article that I read on this blog? It's called Wait But Why. It's like my favorite like blog, quote unquote. It's more like psychology and, and technology and stuff. And he, this guy's name's Tim Urban. He did a ridiculously long blog post about. Um, Elon Musk's Neuralink. Have mm. you are, are you following that at all? Yeah, I've heard of the Neuralink, and that's kind of along the lines of that. Is like connecting the internet to your brain. Um, but I, I I don't remember. I read the article. It's ridiculous. It's like 
50,000 words. It's took me forever. Now I just kind of forget everything that I read about it, but it's something along those lines. So I would recommend reading that because I think that's coming, man. I mean, that, that I mean, it's obviously coming, but it, that'll be really interesting. Would you be one of like an early adopter on something like that? Or would you want to, or, or you think that's a little bit invasive to have like all that information right there and having, and having potential uh, like security issues with the internet being in your brain? Dude, yeah, that sounds pretty pretty bonkers. I don't I don't know. Um, part of me wants to jump right on it because like experimentation is fun. However, if it's something that it's a one way road and you can't come back from, mm. that's that's a little concerning there. Um, but Amanda, it sounds from what I've heard so far, it sounds like he wants to start out. They're they're focusing on like doing inter brain control so rather than so much like networking the internet with the brain it's uh it's like this chip will recognize things happening within the brain and it'll override certain undesirable uh actions or or uh instigate certain actions in other words like if you have motor control issues right so if you're like if you have like some sort of paralysis or parkinson's or something along those lines uh it can help to kind of stimulate the proper neurons to to get function proper function hmm. in your body so i think that's where they're like starting out and then they're gonna start to you know link in the internet somehow it's like oh well now the chip's in there as long as we'll start out inside make sure it doesn't kill people and then we'll start to add google so you can buy clothes walking down the street that yeah and i mean it makes Progress. more sense making sure it, <laughs> right <laughs> <Evolution. really matters. laughs> commerce capitalism let's go yay yay um yeah and <laughs> So that, that'll be an interesting development when that pops up. And I also heard, I mean, we're, we're just talking right off the cuff right now. This is nothing about, I did no research on any of this stuff, but I remember hearing about something or reading Likewise, about Likewise, I heard somewhere. a person say it, yeah. It's something like that, yeah. So this is all just, we're just we're just talking. And uh, there's like a, a chip or some sort of monitoring system that you can put either in your I think in your teeth or something in your mouth where it will be able to recognize what you're eating and it can kind Whoa. of give you recommendations off of everything that's actually going in functional you know, grills for real. Yeah. Like, and, Shit. and, and I, I'm guessing it has to be in your mouth cause it wouldn't in your stomach. I mean, cause it would just pass, but there was some talk of having some sort of attachment or something sort of implant that can give you an idea of what nutrients you're taking in and where you might be short and give you recommendations based on what you are actually eating mm-hmm. as opposed to just kind of putting out some like uh, framework as like eat all the colors uh, of the, of the plant family and have <laughs> pro- protein and carbs and stuff this is actually like, Nope, like this is what you're getting. This is everything that you have. Like that'd be pretty cool. Dude, it'd be super interesting to see how to get like immediate feedback. Okay, you know what's going in your mouth like precisely. And then you also, if you could also figure out precisely how much of that you're absorbing and what your body is like needs more of and what it's rejecting. And I mean, you can kind of figure that out in some way, but it's not like immediate feedback. You have to go get blood work or get like stool samples, stuff like that, complicated stuff. Yeah, if they could put a chip at at both ends. In both both ends. (laughs) So you know exactly... don't they have don't they have a type of chip that like goes uh in it like it goes inside one of your veins uh and it can kind of pick up what's in the bloodstream immediately and if they don't have that they should as long as obviously the the vessel can accommodate that without obstructing blood flow of course yeah that might be some some blood clotting 
uh, hiccups in, in the beginning. That might be one thing you can't come back from. Yeah, right. yeah <laughs> That's right. A, right. Be a one-way road as well. It'd be like a stent. It would go in and it would, or like a dilator, right? So it'd be like a reverse ring where reversing, I don't even know why I said reverse, but yeah, it'd be like a, I think it's a ring. ring. Yeah. It goes inside. Right. And it opens up the vet, like the vessel, but oh, okay. there's like sensors on the inside, kind of like your watch has, right. It picks up like your blood flow through your skin to pick up uh-huh. your heart rate and it can sense like your oxygenation and somehow maybe pick up, uh, you know, the blood sugar and you know, the, yeah, glucose, fatty acids, whatever. Ferret. Yeah, I don't so know. It, it could be a, a 24 hour blood work. That yeah, that's a, that could be the problem with blood work, right? Like depending on on when you're getting it, what you've eaten, and, and not having it be controlled enough. Like seeing what's happening through the blood in real time would be a game changer. That'd be unbelievable. That would be really really cool. Yeah, yeah. I'd probably get too nerdy on it. You know, you're just watching it like all the time. Like, ooh, what is it right now? Ooh, what is it right now? Ooh, what is it right now? <laughs> you would. I wonder what it is at two a.m. You wouldn't be able to function as a human anymore because you're worried about <laughs> properly optimizing your human ability and you just stare at it. It's yeah. Like you just never do anything. Dude, like speaking um, about technology and like nerding out on it, I am almost at the two month mark not using my whoop strap. Nice. How's it, it been? It has been. It's, dude, well, I'm alive. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm alive. I haven't gotten sick or, or injured other than like that hamstring thing I was telling you about, but that's because my bike violated me while I was doing tricks on it. The seat stabbed me in the hamstring. It was unsolicited. Non-whoop related. Non-whoop related. Uh, but, but yeah, it's just been nice not waking up in the morning and, and looking at it continuously. Uh, I've been better about like not picking up my phone for 30 minutes or an hour when I wake up in the morning and just like drinking my coffee and stretching and whatever. Uh, so just kind of that disconnect from technology and also recognizing like, okay, I still have some intuitive abilities because, because yeah. like all these tools are super duper cool because they help you make correlations. The whoop, you have numbers in front of you or you have your Apple watch. Yep. And they can tell you, it's like, okay, here's your HRP. All right. What did I do yesterday? What did I do the day before? You make correlations, maybe what you ate, your training. Oh, I feel like this. And then, and this is the correlating number. Well, when you get, if you put that technology to the side, you very well may have still, you can still like make those connections now, you know? That's true. And yeah, you just took some time to collect data and now you can just use that in, in its own right. And I think that that's a good way to kind of go about it. Um, because yeah, I, I, like we talked about this before, I, I sometimes over like, give too much weight to what the technology is saying versus what's actually happening. Cause it doesn't, doesn't change your sleep. It doesn't change how you feel or what's happening inside. Um, much like the pace on your watch. Like if you, if your watch dies and you don't have it and you don't know what the pace was like, you still get the benefits from that run. Um, are you going to bring it back? I'm definitely going to bring it back. Yeah. I have a theory that I'm going to put it back on and my numbers are going to be better than ever. Uh, I just, I, cause I feel really good. So at least in, in my mind, uh, where my mental headspace is, I feel really good. So I'll put it back on and I'll see how the numbers correlate to that. Yeah. So, or you're going to get real sad and just never use Dude, it. Dude, I might, I might, man. It's like, Oh yeah. You, yeah. You thought you were getting really good sleep. You've actually been going to bed later. Uh, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll find out, man. Stay but it doesn't tuned. change the training, won't change the performance. I mean, you're still it going to It won't change stuff, the training. Yeah. Because you know what? I mean, I think you, I know I heard Mark Godet say this on your on your podcast. It's like you guys have some strict schedules that you like to stick to, right? It's like mm-hmm. uh, Monday is going to be a 10 miler, easy run or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. I already, like I've pretty much always gone 
kind of more flexible. Uh, it's like, okay, this is going to be a 40 mile week, but am I going to do that 10 mile run on Monday? Sure. But if I wake up and I feel like crap, maybe, uh, maybe I'll do a bike ride. And I'll do the 10 mile on Tuesday. Like there's a little bit of flexibility in there. So right. I think, I think it's just important to kind of listen to your body. If it feels like crap, don't do something as long and that'll help you reduce like your risks of injury and, uh, and yeah, falling in the pooper. You know what else is, is a cool thing that like a tool to use that you don't need to use forever because you kind of make correlations and then you get away from it and you still have that information. And that is something like my fitness pal, like mm-hmm. counting your calories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That thing has been an awesome tool figuring out like, Oh, it turns out I was eating this much. Now I know what it's like to eat 3,500 calories. Now I know what that portion of meat really accounts to. And uh, that's actually pretty relevant because today we're talking about fat loss. We're going to do some fat loss stuff, and that is a, a, a great point in talking about tracking everything and some of the tools that we have that we use and how we can use technology to help benefit that. But um, yeah, I think this is a valuable topic, and, and we were talking off air before we came on that people don't necessarily want to touch because there is so much um, a, a heaviness around it, and people have different relationships with with food and their weight and, and it and how they see themselves and what they think um, they need uh, based off of just societal norms or uh, just however they like, whatever has been embedded in them. So there are some straight up benefits though of, of losing fat for, for running. Um, Do you think about that at all much on your end? I mean, you, you've come from a background where you think about it more from the muscle that you have, right? Like, cause you're, you're more on the bodybuilding side. Do you ever think about fat loss when it comes to your rent your running performance? Uh, for, for me personally, uh, yeah. jeans play a role in a lot of people's body composition. I've been blessed to have, uh, you know what they call skinny jeans for the most part. I've been a hard gainer. It's been hard for me to put on weight. So yeah, for me, it's more so been muscle and I put on muscle when I was younger and now, uh, and now here I am wanting to be an endurance athlete and I got to carry this shit around. So, <laughs> so that, that's the way that, that's the way that goes. But like the, you're carrying weight no matter what, right? So having to carry that weight, like it is going to take a toll on you energy wise, but at least it's, it's usable weight, like with muscle, like you can actually fire that and have it propel you forward. And there's going to be a balance between where that is and, and where, um, like what's going to be beneficial and what might be detrimental, but for, for fat loss, like you don't really have that. You like with fat that you're carrying around a little bit extra, there is not a ton of benefit. I mean, obviously you need to have this uh, a proper amount of fat on your body to pro- have proper human function. And there's definitely a floor where you could go and there's an optimal place for each person. But if you're, if you're carrying too much, it's, it is going to slow you down, like no matter what. And like the amount, like VO2 max is an example of just how much oxygen you take in per, uh, per mass of of your body. So like your VO2 max will probably go up if you lose less weight, just based off of the equation itself. And I've actually heard this, this one anecdote and I I did look into it more and I think it's, this is just kind of like a more of like an old coaches type of deal. Like, I don't think science has anything to say about this. But every extra pound of fat that you have on your body, it will equate to one to two seconds per mile uh, for the effort. So like if you were five pounds overweight, that could be up to 10 pound, 10 seconds per mile, which is 30 seconds for a 5K, mm-hmm. you know, and even just that like slight little difference will will change the performance a lot. And I mean, that's, that is just kind of like an old coach's tale, but anecdotally, I found that that is pretty close to, um, where I have found it 
kind of kind of lying in there. Have you ever, have you ever heard anything like that? Yeah. Um, I mean, in the studies that I'm working through right now, uh, I came across a study where it's uh, right around 70% of your of your effort while you're running is in carrying your own weight, whereas a smaller portion is what actually propels you forward. So the lion's share of your energy output is just in carrying your own weight compared to hmm. propelling you forward. Interesting. That, 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 and that, that, I guess that's a, a strike against the muscle mass then as well. Right, right. So, you know, fortunately, there are some saviors such as really working on your uh, your economy, your form, and kind of reducing vertical oscillation. But that's that's another story. But yeah, you got to carry that weight around. And I think it's important to note, like, when you should look at fat loss to help your your development as an athlete. And I think it should be almost one of the last things that you should do. Like if you aren't doing all the other things you could potentially be doing for training, then I don't think you necessarily need to work towards something where it comes like, I just want to lose five pounds so that I can take off 30 seconds for my 5k potentially say the 15. Um, Mm -hmm. but like you need to kind of maximize everything else that you're doing before working systematically toward this. Because if you are doing that, a lot of times it'll just kind of take care of itself and I think that's where a lot of endurance athletes end up. It's like, okay, I'm running a hundred miles a week, so I'm skinny, <laughs> you know, like, and that's, and that's, these are the examples of the people that we see, you know, the people who are running really fast, the ones are, who are doing a lot of training and who are putting everything toward the effort to make them uh, a better runner. Then, the, then it, the byproduct of the, the training is the physique that they have. And that's also something that I've heard, um, like people talk about with CrossFit, it's like there is no physique training in CrossFit. These animals just look like this because of the way that they train. And it's just kind of like the optimal body uh, composition that, that morphs from doing all this ridiculous training. So like before someone would move into like the fat loss phase, like what do you think they would do first? Like if someone's coming from just like, okay, I think I could lose five pounds, but they haven't done anything different. Like what would you have them look at first? Any idea? Well, first off, I just want to say that that was – a great opener because that's so that's super duper important take care of all the other things first i think that that is a good move but if you have yeah if you have someone that's trying to lose some weight like what's one of the first things for them to look at stress Mm. stress first and Mm. foremost uh i think more improved performance less about losing weight but more about improving performance which also goes hand in hand right like if you're even if your your stress is high your performance is going to be shitty no. <laughs> yeah the performance itself is uh issues maybe i didn't hear your question properly yeah meaning like before someone looks at fat loss um as a a modality for improvement like i would always say like okay look at your volume <laughs> like how much running are you actually doing like is do you need to put something in place to help you lose fat if you're if you can handle more volume you know what I mean? So like where in line, would you put this in line anywhere? Or have you thought about that? Like where it would be in terms of like the training, like if you had like a pyramid, right? Like where would you kind of put that? Put losing weight. Yeah. In the training at the very end. Yeah. That's that, that is like the peak thing. Cause like you said, it kind of takes care of itself. If everything's in line. I mean, if, if the training is, if you have proper progressions, if you're uh, moderating the amount of stress that someone's taking, you know, between like volume and intensity, uh, and the sleep's being taken care of and they're taking in, uh, you know, it's funny because calories come into play. And if someone doesn't take in mm-hmm. enough calories, that can be too stressful and their body might want to hold on to the weight. And uh, I think we've, we've both heard of this time and again, maybe you've even experienced it yourself, right? With uh, with increasing calories, your body got into a more like relieved state. And it's like, oh, we're finally getting in enough from the outside. We can kind of let go of what we were holding on to. And that can actually help people lose weight. So go through and going through all those steps. And then finally, when uh, when everything seems right, the person 
doesn't themselves think that they're at a good weight or uh, a coach can visually uh, see that perhaps there's some, some weight that's not benefiting them, such as, you know, muscle or something, then maybe that's a, an intervention. They can start talking about losing weight there, but it's at the end. Yeah, totally. And I agree. And I think that there's a crucial part of what you brought up is the, the caloric expenditure. And a lot of times when the volume goes up, I think that people are going to be much better served to make sure that they are fueling that performance and seeing what happens to the body composition then. So I think eating more is typically the best route to go on these, especially if you haven't matched up your uh, input with your output. And before you even think about losing weight, I think that you need to make sure that you know exactly how much you're you're eating versus how much you're training and how much that's costing. Um, and just recently, it's funny you brought that up. Like um, this guy was coaching. He's like, I want, I want to bring my volume up a little bit. I have some time now. Um, I want to I want to go after some stuff we have. So there's no races or anything coming up. So. So I was like, okay, cool. Well, just in case, like, let's let's take a look at the nutrition piece. Let's set some targets. Make sure that you are uh, fueling this, just so that you don't kind of spiral down the hole and um, and and just kind of feel like shit all the time. And so we bumped his calories up, and he was having a hard time eating enough. And then over the course of like four weeks, he lost five pounds. <laughs> you know, like, How about that. So he it was like it was like a struggle for him to eat more. Um, but his body composition kind of took care of itself. And, he, and his goal was that he's like, I don't want to lose weight. I want to make sure my weight maintains. And then after he's done this, he's like, I feel awesome. Like I feel great, you know, like by eating more and make, and his body compositions changed. And, um, but for the better, because he's a, a more efficient runner at that, at that weight and able to eat that much. So right on, right. Right on. Really yeah, and it is important to know that like we are talking about athletes here when it comes to like eating more might be the might be the cure. We're definitely talking about people with like high caloric expenditure because they those are people that are taking on more stress than a sedentary person. A sedentary person almost needs to in, introduce that kind of stress. They need to moderate their stress, re, reduce sh, uh, shitty stressors, you know, work, relationship, life, uh, negative thought, and introduce positive stressors of exercise to get the uh, yeah to get the response that you're going to want for a better body composition. Right. And, and bringing up uh, a sedentary person versus an athlete is also something that is worth noting because what I've found and just that what's available for the general public to consume is all based around someone who is sedentary looking to lose weight, who might already be, you know, um, pre-diabetic or someone who is at a health risk or is gone to doctors. Like, you need to lose 30 pounds or whatever they're being told. So a lot of the information available for them is, um, is based around the general public and not really for an endurance athlete. Um, so I feel like that is important to note. And, and that's mm. where I've come across a lot. And things like my fitness pal are just set up for them, you know? So they have weird markers on there. Like they kind of like move things with based on your, your, have you, have you used my fitness pal in a minute? I've used it quite a bit. And the one thing that I'll note about it is that it has preset macronutrient recommendations, uh, which I realize yeah. you can go in and adjust. But the thing is, if you don't know what they should be, you don't know what to adjust it to. So right. it is kind of just numbers to a degree, unless you really know what you're looking for. It is. And they, and they put weird markers on like sugar, like they, they'll, they'll count sugar for people without you asking. And like, if you, if you um, hook up your, like your smartwatch to it, it'll change the caloric output based on what you're doing, but not but it's all just kind of very generalized. Um, so that, that confuses people a lot. Um, the sugar one in general, like, you know, if like you eat like three bananas that day on a long run, it'll be like your sugar is through the roof. And it's like, ah, like maybe no, you'll but, get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like maybe for a regular person who needs to make sure who needs to see that when they drink soda, like 
that's a lot of sugar in that. But for the athlete who might be using, using those things, it's, um, it's not as, <laughs> as crucial of a marker for, for them. So you've used it. You've used my fitness pal. Oh yeah. Big time. And what, and what is your relationship then with it? Have you had your watch synced up to it? Are you just using it for numbers? Yeah, mostly just for numbers. I, I, I took the watch off of it because when calculating numbers, uh, I always will use what, cause I know what I'm going to do. So I, I mix in what my, my, exercise and my energy expenditure with those numbers. So the numbers I set have nothing based to do off of what my watch is telling me. It's based off of what I know, what activity I'm going to be doing and kind of generally where that's going to put me as opposed to uh, eating based off of the activity. Cause then you start chasing it and that's a, and that's a tough relationship with food mm-hmm. too, because like, Oh, I can have an extra cookie if I uh, walk uh, for an extra 150 steps. And that's what people will do. They, they, they try to outpace themselves because of what their watch is and my fitness pal is telling them mm-hmm. instead of having like a, a straight plan. It's like, this is what you're going to be doing. This is what you generally do every day. So here are your numbers stick with that. And, and my fitness that's the way to go. That's the way to yeah. go. Simple. Yeah. It's simple. You're getting rid of more variables, more confusion. Yeah. And um, so when it comes to the actual point where it's like time to lose fat, I think it is something that, is going to have to be more internally driven as a coach. I would, I know I would have a tough time telling somebody it's like, mm, you know, you could lose probably five or 10 pounds, right? Like, because there is this um, touchy relationship that people do have with, uh, with food and with their own body composition. And I've been through this type, uh, type of um, ups and downs with it. And that's kind of where, what's led me to this point now is just based on my relationship to, with food. Um, and kind of like the response I've got from other people and the help that I needed versus what I received, um, was very lacking. Um, gotcha. give us a little backstory on that real quick. Yeah. So like as a college athlete, like I went into school and I've written about this before. I don't think I've ever spoken about it. So we'll see how it goes, speak but, it uh, out. speak it out. But I went into school and you know, I was a high school kid. I could eat like a maniac. I would eat like crazy and never gain a pound. But in college, like I did. I started to to gain weight and, and I was even running like 80 miles per week. I was part of a cross country team and, and doing all these things that um, I had done in the past, but, you know, unlimited food to me, uh, maybe some more beers around and just like different uh, things that I, I could have and with no cap. And I just gained weight, you know, I gained like 10 or I remember it was 13 pounds. I gained like pretty quick too. So like when people gained the freshman 15, I was like, I'm not doing that because I'm a cross country athlete. So I'm going to be good. But I gained that weight and I started to be terrible at running. I started to really, really have a hard time. And I just like, I didn't look the part. I didn't feel the part. And everything was just really, really hard to on the competition side. And I basically went to school only to compete, right? Like I went, I didn't go to school for school. (laughs) Like I went there to be an athlete. And so when that started falling apart, like everything started falling apart. Like I just hated being there. And it was like all because I thought of these 13 pounds that I had on me is like, if I could just get rid of this weight, like everything would be a minute faster on your 5k. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) for sure. And like, I wouldn't get killed and I would just like feel better. You know, I like went there. I didn't, I wasn't a good student. So like, I didn't care about what I was doing in in school. I didn't know what I wanted to do after school. All I wanted to do was run and run well. And I couldn't because I just didn't know what I was doing nutritionally. And I got like, I gained this fat. Um, so like, I didn't know anything when you're, Was that broke up a little bit? Would you say you broke up? For yeah, a I got a little static here. I was wondering. So, what, 
what what was behind all of that? What did it end up being? What did you discover? Was there was the reason behind all of that? Behind the fat loss, behind the, the fat gain, about your your um, your fat it, increases and your and your diminishing performances in school. Yeah, it was just, just not having the the proper knowledge or guidance, and then after that, what ended up happening, happening was, you know, cause I didn't have any of this guidance. And this is a division one program. I uh, may I remind you that we had no education on nutrition and no, nobody helping us or telling us how to fuel for performance. Um, and so like, all I knew was at the time, you know, 18, 19 years old is that that 2000 calorie recommendation that, you know, the general health guideline, you know how they say that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like based on a 2000 calorie diet. I just thought everybody burned or everybody like, burn 2000 calories a day. I just thought that's what it was. I was like, okay, so if I eat less than 2000 calories, I should lose weight. So I started eating way less, you know, like 500, 800, thousand calories a day, um, trying to lose this weight. And, uh, it would just repeat it. Like I wouldn't, nothing would really budge and it would repeat, repeatedly end in some sort of binge. And then as uh, a way to try to remedy that, it was uh, like I would resort to purging it as well. So I had like this really awful, like disordered eating relationship for like a year and a half with with food as a way to try to like make myself feel better so I could run faster. Um, and it just like led to terrible results and just like a really awful time those first like two years. Um, and that's what kind of drove me to get to this point on, on this. So like, I know that there is a lot that comes down to the food that you're eating and not just based off of the, the performance that you, you hope to get is that it, it, for me, it like boiled all the way back down to like my self-worth, you know, like what I felt like who I was as a person, if I wasn't a good runner, then like I didn't value myself as a person. So like if I could get rid of this fat, that would make, that would make everything better. You know, totally, that totally makes sense. So that's gosh, Yeah. That's a pretty, that's a rough educational period you went through, but, but so here you are now you went through that. What did you uncover in your, in your learnings that you applied to yourself that created the turnaround? So a lot of it was the education and the data behind things. And this is kind of where, I, I make a hard stance on this because I, people don't want to um, count calories or count macros um, because they are worried about the relationship that it's going to create with food. And, and sometimes that is right for people. Like if they, they will not eat things because of um, what it says on the nutrition facts or whatever, because they're counting calories. And um, but if you approach it from a, a perspective of data and just, and, and making sure you're matching with what you're doing and you have all this, th these data points and these um, things to consider, it makes it just easier. It makes it cut and dry. Whereas from that time I started chasing fad diets, you know, like it's like, okay, like this diet worked for this person and they dropped 10 pounds in two weeks, you know, like to me, that would be like the dream. I was like, okay, cool. I can run fast again in two weeks. Like I'll do that, you know, like, and it, and it was just ends up chasing those things. And that's a lot of the ways that I feel like fat loss, like people kind of take on fat loss. Um, so that didn't work trying, for you. Fat diets didn't work for you. They don't work, believe it or not. Like they'll work, for, they'll work for like a minute and like, but it's just like people trying to get that, that magic bullet. Right. And trying to, um, get these results. And if, you know, if it happens for, and a lot of times people writing these fad diets, they're marketers, <laughs> you know, right. So they, they can present it in a way that makes you feel like it is going to work for anybody who really dedicates themselves to it. 
And then when it doesn't work, you jump to the next marketer who's kind of pitched something your way um, or that whatever is in your attention. So it went through a lot of that first. And then um, eventually just getting to a point, it's like, all right, I need to make sure I need to, I, I'm eating enough based off what I'm doing and not worrying about it. And I remember in college when I did lose weight, it was when I really kind of let go. I, uh, I decided I was going to transfer. I was in like, maybe not even run again. Um, because of how shitty things were going. So I started to eat again <laughs> and I started and I like lost weight and felt better and ran, had a great season. Um, so it's just like weird how that, that happens. And then like, but I would still kind of try to chase these weird things without giving myself a proper education and knowing what, what's going to boil down, um, to what I need, you know? Right on. So what's like a general, uh, what are some guidelines that you adhere to yourself that you also, that seems to work with the general populace or athletes that you work with. So then that, that really does kind of come down to figuring out your total energy expenditure. And that, and that ends up being first, right? Like, and how much you will burn just from being alive without exercising and then figuring out how much exercise is going to play into that. And again, that kind of goes back to that example of the person who, uh, the guy I was coaching who wanted to um, bump up the miles. Like, okay, well, like let's bump up the calories too and see what happens. So figuring that out really needs to be the first, the first point of that. Um, do you, do you have like a, a, a BMR calculator or anything that uh, not, uh, not BMR? What am I saying? Um, yeah, BMR, um, basal, basal metabolic rate or any, a calculator that you trust the most. Cause there's like three or four of them out there. Um, do you ever use them? I don't. Um, I don't use that. I go, I've been going off of more of a intuitive approach and there's, there's a lot of wiggle room in that. It's like, what does intuition mean? You're relying on somebody's self-awareness. Uh, and I mean, as a coach, I also have to ask the right questions and take notes of what's going on with them and with how they're feeling with the performances, uh, with their weight. But ultimately my approach is a little more flexible. Mm-hmm. The sort of the, my, my education has led me to realize that it's more of the entire entirety of the lifestyle. And if you eat in a certain manner, it can be a little bit easier to eat intuitively properly. And that's through the, that's through the managing of, you know, your appetite hormones and taking in the mm-hmm. right macronutrients at the right time. And when I say right, that's going to be kind of individualized, but we have kind of like some guidelines that we go by, which is keeping your carbohydrates at a certain level, having your protein at a certain level and making sure that fat is introduced with pretty much every meal. And really you kind of like fill up on fat to improve satiety. Right. And there, there's like the, the, the two camps of uh, quality and quantity. Right. And like making sure like kind of what you're saying is like the best, if you get all the quality foods and all the quality macronutrients, like things will kind of take care of themselves based off of the intuitive feeling that you have and being dialed in with the, the, the response that your body is going to give you based on of the, those, those choices more or less. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. And like, I, I, I agree that that's ultimately the best way to do it. And I think that if, if you can, convince yourself that you're capable of doing that, then, then that's how you should do it. But I found in, in my, uh, with my background and having like this fucking complex and like figuring out like what I, I need to do and not necessarily, um, like just the qu- quality of things and making sure I know, um, and give myself the education on what all these things are and what that all means. Like I found it easier for me to kind of go the quantity route and not really have the, um, 
not not having like hard lines on what to eat and and when to eat them or just like here is like the general um amount that you would need and here are the different macronutrients where it'll line up and then get there however you can and then you can kind of get into timing and things a little bit more um based on how much nuance you want to get to it Mm, right on um yeah because for me if i was to go on that route i would still i would probably under eat if I was um, like just being like, okay, if if you feel like it, eat, eat kind of this, eat, eat, eat these kind of rec- amounts, and I, I think I would undershoot it just because I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to overdo it because I have a big appetite, so I don't want to go mm-hmm. crazy, and that's kind of like led me astray in the past. So like I kind of like these numbers, and then within these numbers, you can make sure the quality of the food is appropriate as as it progresses out. Ah, uh, Roger that. I will say, yeah. So uh, like I was saying, there's certain tactics of how to eat but yes i also do advocate for my fitness pal at least for any given amount of time if a person can't stand having one more app on their phone we'll minimize that time and go back to it if we need to but yeah for sure when starting out with somebody i like to see what they take in naturally what Mm -hmm. they take in i I won't even give them recommendations (laughs) i say just record what you eat plain and simple let's see what those numbers look like and if something needs to be adjusted based on their performance body composition then we'll work off of their current numbers, not off of a grid that I have preset in front of me. hundred percent. And that's, that's ultimately the, the first step. That's the most important first step. Cause a lot of times if people are logging it down, it comes face to face with what is really happening. Like, Oh my God, I didn't know I was doing this. And then they'll, that'll like almost self-correct, you know, based on just like them looking at it or having to log it or seeing it for themselves, because people generally know what's healthy and what's not, you know, like it's not like, and that's another thing with, with some of the advice because people want to be really touchy about it. And they're like, well, just don't eat chips, <laughs> you know, like, don't like make sure you listen to your body and like, uh, like, but like maybe you are eating chips more than you think, or maybe you're eating other things that you don't necessarily know are, are not as nutritious, but for most of people know it's like, it's like, Oh, I want to lose fat, but I eat pizza every meal. It's like, okay, like, we can start <laughs> there. But then if they are at that point where it's like, all my, all my, the, the quality is online. Everything is good, but I'm still kind of w- would like to see what it would be like if I could lose a couple pounds. Um, then I think then we can kind of really get into like these markers of like w- what you should be expecting. Um, and trying to, trying to calculate out like the actual amount of expenditure I found is, is also tricky, especially for the endurance athlete, because again, most of the information out there is based on the general public and the general public isn't running 10 miles in the mountains, you know? So like, and now you actually had tests done and that's ultimately the best way to get accurate. some some accurate feedback on where to go from there. Totally. Totally. I mean, and like that is certainly not going to be within um the the realm of possibility for most people but even if i was it's not practical right it's not practical and even if i was approaching this from kind of the way i do now i would have an, a better idea of where i should be um based off what i was doing and a couple of the main factors is like the miles you run the miles you run um the, how much you're biking how much you're lifting and, and what you're doing outside of just the exercise itself so like Josh, you mentioned you've had some uh, laborious jobs, right? Like, sure. And so, like during that day, like you're probably burning more at work than on any run. Would you say? Yeah. Right. So, like that's something that's something you really have to take into consideration. And like, if you're sitting at a desk or if you're doing manual labor, and like the f- three or four different options that you could have in between, and then really trying to break down things as far as how much your each each mile is going to cost you. So, I found a 
pretty good calculation on this that I found has been pretty, pretty true. I don't, nice. I don't think the Garmin is accurate in, in any way. What do you, what have you found from like your watches and things like that? Whoop is high. I don't even, whoop. I don't consider you it. You don't even consider it because, because <laughs> oh, whoop oh, is incredibly whoop. high. Totally. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I don't think I burned 7,000 calories today. I don't, you might. I don't think so. You might. <laughs> but no, but it, I would say, I would say whoops high by like a thousand calories probably like it gets really high sometimes but i i wonder if that was a tactic on their part i wonder if they truly believe that that is the case or if they are intentionally generous because of the realization of what we discussed earlier which is that for a lot of athletes they typically under eat so if we overshoot them maybe they won't hit that number but they'll still be like oh i need more they'll sleep better yeah so like maybe they were actually they Maybe uh, they burned like, you know, 5,000 calories that day. They you typically eat 3,000. Whoop says you burned seven. Maybe you will meet like, in the middle shit, of it. Let me five. have a little bit more. Yeah, because that will definitely improve your your recovery. Like if you eat up to that point of what you're expending, like your sleep is going to be so much better. And your recovery Dude. and your heart rate metrics are going to be better. So like that would be a pretty good good way although dishonest of of getting people to recover better um <laughs> it did that's such a great point yeah i mean the recovery the recovery factor and actually you had luna lima on the post uh, or on the pod not long ago and he said something that made a lot of sense to me which is like he's eating on the bike not to fuel the bike ride but just to trickle things in because it's a good time for the body to absorb stuff which is going to help with the next day it's going to help with the next day i was like that's right on it is right on. And there is, there is evidence behind that. Like the recovery will improve based off of like the timing of the carbohydrates that you're taking on the runs just so you don't completely deplete it. Um, yeah. and he's a great example too, cause he does all the things that like a regular runner or endurance athlete that, that one necessarily consider cause he's not really from that background. So he's like, Oh, I have to eat. Sure. Where like runners are kind of like, uh, I don't yeah. know. I don't think I eat that much, but the, anyway, so the, the Garmin Garmin's are incredibly low. I found on how much, uh, on their calorie count whoop is incredibly high. I've actually found the Apple watch is in a pretty good spot based off of the, the calculations I use that I've used with right, the athletes that I coach, um, and I use for myself. So there's some anecdotal evidence on this too, but every mile, every, okay, we're going to, every kilometer you run, um, times the amount of kilos you weigh kind of gives you a good accurate um, estimate of how much that activity costs calorically. Um, so to do that in pounds, you would take the pounds in body weight time uh, divided by 2.2 and then take the miles and times it by 1.6 to get it to be kilometers. And then that kind of equals out. So um, say if I, if I weigh 75 kilometers, uh, kilograms, I don't run a 10 K that would be about 750 calories, Right from that run itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so right there, you can add that to your, your, your base metabolic rate or based off of the exercise that you do. And then you have a, a number that you can kind of, kind of aim for to match awesome. your calories. That sounds really good. Cause that also scales for intensity. I mean, you can do the 10 kilometers fat fast, right. And you'll burn that many calories in, you know, 35 minutes, or you do it slow, lower intensity, but you're out there longer. It seems, it seems pretty appropriate. Right. And like, that's kind of the, the, I think that is the idea behind uh, the distance. Like it doesn't change that much because of the intensity factor. It more changes the fueling. Like we've talked about several times before, like what fuel is being used, but the chlor, the calories being burned ends up being about the same, I think. Right. Does that make sense? So like you end up, if you're going slower, you'll burn it from, from fats a little bit more as opposed to. Yeah. That's, you know, that's a very, that's a very interesting topic. Uh, the fact that, 
there's that fat burning zone quotations, you know, and it's like, yes, you are burning predominantly fat as a percentage of your, your fuel utilization, but yeah, I mean, at higher intensities, yeah, you're burning more glucose, but you are still burning more fat than you were just because of the total caloric expenditure. Mm-hmm. So you're pulling more from glucose, but as a whole, you're burning more calories. You're probably burning more fat uh, as well. Right. And like, you're going to be doing, it's going to come in and out like, right. Like people want it to be like, okay, now you're glycolytic. Now you're fat burning. Like it's both <laughs> like, it's going to yeah, use, totally, it's going to use a little bit of both um, depending on your training and depending on your diet, um, which we've covered in, in pro- previous podcasts, we'll cover, cover on future podcasts as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there, and there's a couple other, other ways. Uh, I'm actually going to drop a link in the show notes that has the actual calculator that I use. So if you want to nice. grab that, it will help because there's a, there's a, a formula for biking. There's a formula for uh, like lifting weights and things like that as well. Um, Super. And one thing that's kind of hard for this is say like Josh, you, you um, when you do like a 10 K, and I'll do a 10 K just for training. Like it's going to take me 43 minutes, but your 10 K in the mountains will take you what, like an hour 20, you know? So, yeah, totally. So like you kind of have to address that as well. And this kind of also is in the terms of a high intensity, uh, interval training because I consider that more cardio than strength training. It is. Um, but then just take the converted, just take the amount of time. So like Josh, in your case, if you run like eight minute miles on flats, um, then just take what, however long an hour 20 would take you uh, from eight minute miles, which would be, I don't know, or where am I 11 miles or something like that. So like, I would say like a 10 K takes a t- 120 would kind of be, uh, an hour 20 would be like running an 11 mile flat run for you. Right. Does that All make right. sense? It, it does because you're, you're spending that time out there, but the distance for this formula that I found works really well. Um, it, it's not apples to apples. So like if you're doing six miles in the mountains, that's going to be more than a six mile on, on flats. That makes sense. Man's talking sense. Right. Right. Um, and then, so from here, so what you're going to want to do, if you want to look into like the fat loss numbers of things is a really sustainable number that I've found helps people is uh, 500 calories per day. And this is, this is w- widely used. Um, if you are using any type of, um, like I think my fitness pal will kind of put you in this um, caloric deficit range right off the jump. And pretty much everybody's like, if you eat 500 calories less than you're expending per day, you'll probably lose a pound a week. Cause that ends up being yeah 35, um, 3,500 calories, they say end up equaling about a pound. Um, so over the course of a week, that'll make you lose about a pound a week, which is pretty sustainable. Um, and that's the kind of fat loss you want to go for. So that if there's anything that promotes 10 pounds in two weeks, if there's a cleanse that says you'll lose six pounds <laughs> in six days, like it's not real weight. It's not fat loss. Mm-hmm. It is um, smoke and mirrors. And like you might see that on the scale, but it's not what's actually happening. Um, so to get this 500 calor- calorie deficit, I recommend you take it from, you split it between carbs and fats um, to a certain point. Like for fats, I feel like there needs to be a floor for how much you're taking in. And that ends up being your body weight times 0.3. And that'll kind of put you at your absolute uh, fats floor. And anything lower than that, like you're just going to be doing damage to yourself. So... Um, right. You need that stuff for hormones, you need that stuff for cellular repair. Right. And you'll feel awful. Like it won't go well for your training. Fat soluble vitamins. Yeah, absolutely. So you can't go below this floor because that's, and that's where people got in trouble with like low fat diets. It's like, okay, I'm just going to eat 
um, rice cakes because it's the most voluminous thing that uh, I can eat or just a lot of veggies and things that are just fat free. Got to throw a peanut butter on those rice cakes. Yeah, you do. You just got to do it. At that point, at that point, I'm just eating the peanut butter though. <laughs> are you putting the it rice cakes just a vehicle? It's just yeah, a you vehicle. Don't need it. You don't need that. It's fun. It's fun, but you don't need it. Is it fun? I'm going spoon. Um, <laughs> so yeah, then taking those calories from the carbohydrates and the fats and kind of splitting them evenly. So 250 calories from either one. And it's important to note here that nine, um, there's nine calories per gram of fat and there's four calories per gram of, uh, carbohydrate. Um, so again, if you're trying to like write this stuff down, like this is just like, again, in the notes, you can kind of check that out, but that's kind of how it's broken down in that way that you aren't taking all from carbohydrates because carbohydrates are going to really help for your, um, your performance within the, the training itself and also the recovery and the fats just because of the bodily f- functions that we said before, the fat soluble vitamins and everything that you need. So you really want to kind of balance both of those things to create the deficit and you always want to keep protein high. You're not taking calories from protein. Absolutely. Totally agree. Keep that protein high. Also, and another thing, watch out for that alcohol. That alcohol is seven grams or seven calories per gram. And if you want to find out how many, how many grams of alcohol or, or how many calories of actual alcohol are inside your beverage, you got like a 12 ouncer, multiply that by 28 grams, and then multiply that by the percentage of the alcohol content. And I mean, you're going to end up having a good amount of alcohol in your bloodstream if you drink a few beers or, you know, a bunch of liquor or something. And your body wants to get that rid of that first. And a lot of times we drink with a meal, right? Makes sense. And uh, if you if you have good alcohol, a good amount of alcohol in your bloodstream, your body's going to want to get rid of that first. And it's going to put like carbs, fat, all that other shit to the wayside. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes by the time it gets to it, it it's going to end up getting stored more as fat. You have a high propensity to store that for fat. So watch out for alcohol with meals. Watch out for excess alcohol in general. If, you're, that's the, if fat loss is your concern. That's the ultimate saboteur when it comes to your, your fat loss. Like you're right. Like, because it is also a macronutrient, like it's the fourth macronutrient that we just don't consider. And it is a fuel source and that it burns right away. And that's what, when that burning is like the euphoric feeling that you feel where you would be burning fats when you're just sitting around or walking around. Instead, you're burning alcohol. And it's just, again, putting everything to the wayside. And it's something you don't really consider because people are looking at the, the, the calories or the carbohydrates on their white claw. And they're like, listen, this is only a hundred calories, but they're like, and like, there's only, there's only so many carbs, but they don't have a, uh, a caloric spot for the alcohol on your nutrition label. Right. So they're kind of blindingly throwing this out there. So you, you drink 10 white claws, like, and you're like, Oh, it's only a thousand calories or whatever, but it's just like the, the macronutrients and the energy that, that and the way that it shifts, what's burning is going to sabotage that. It's just not going to totally and totally. And that's another thing about, about uh, like knocking down those, um, those big pillars first, like kind of all the way back to the beginning before you even start to consider like really putting yourself in a caloric deficit to improve your, your, your body composition. Stop fucking drinking alcohol. <laughs> you know, like that is just the way it's going to be. And I'd like, I mean, I've been, this has been a problem of mine for sure. But like, so I know firsthand that like, you're not, it's, it's not going to work. Um, yeah and there's a good there's a good sign if you need to drink alcohol all the time you're probably a little bit stressed out in life and that's something to address <laughs> right that's also that's contributing to your uh your poor performance and uh and poor body composition for sure stress. for sure yeah yeah stress and or you're just not you're, or you're just not that serious about or, or the priorities of being a, an athlete is are, are not all online yet so you got to kind of work mm-hmm. those things out first um so Russ, i, w- I want to ask you a question when it comes to caloric deficits and navigating fat loss for the athlete, is there 
a better time than others to do this for the sake of optimizing performance? That's a great question. And um, typically you'll want about four weeks to kind of get into maintenance numbers uh, leading into competition. So if you're looking out uh, building backwards, I would make sure that you have a, and like I said, it's a pound a week, but dieting for two weeks might not lead to two uh, two pounds of, of tissue loss. Um, it might, but usually you're going to need about three or four to have any sort of sustainable, like cut. Um, if you will, we'll talk body, we'll talk in bodybuilding terms. You in on that? So yeah. So like a a three or four week cut is really what you're going to need to, to dedicate to see any type of fat loss from, from that range. And that doesn't mean accelerating things. So if you want to lose eight pounds in four weeks to take off a thousand calories a day. It does. It just doesn't work like that. You're set, you'll set yourself up to, for, for a binge for poor performance leading into this big event. Um, you recover like shit. So no matter what, like you can't cheat this. So you just need to plan appropriately and, and backtrack things. So if you want to lose four pounds, you've got to give yourself eight weeks, right? So that you can kind of build back into maintenance numbers and, and be at about maintenance when you leave, when you are heading into, uh, the performance itself. Um, so, and, and with that, I wouldn't take it any longer than 12 weeks. I found for an endurance athlete, eight weeks is kind of, it is really a sweet spot because the energy expenditure and the physical demands are so high that to be in a deficit for that long is mentally exhausting and, and physically hard. Um, so ideally I think, uh, seven to 10 pounds within an eight week uh, time frame is going to be what's most realistic. And then taking at least that many weeks bef- in, into maintenance before going back in. So it's not like you can't take eight weeks of cut, one week maintenance and eight weeks of cut. It's, it's not really going to give you time to uh, properly recover and, and kind of reestablish your baseline in terms of your metabolism. So being able to give yourselves like, I like a one and one, like an eight and eight or like a 12, <laughs> 12 and eight, I think it works well. If you do 12 weeks of cut eight weeks of maintenance, I think also works pretty well. Um, so yeah, you're going to have to like, look at that or you can just, if, if it's a, if it's not a big race, um, if it's a B race or C race and fat loss is the goal over, um, the performance of that day, then you just kind of schedule things out based off of like the big race of the year. You know what I really like about what you were just talking about is, and this is, this should be a huge takeaway for people. And that's the fact that you're not talking about, a few weeks of dramatic change. You're talking about several weeks of little changes so that it is sustainable. It is smooth. It is not shocking. It's shocking to your system and it gives you time to play things out, ride things out, take, take notes on what's happening. And, uh, and yeah, you just ebb and flow gently and kindly to yourself. It is that's yeah, that's the, precisely the way that you should be going about things and staying away from very quick few week long, month long, extreme dieting like the like a crash diet or something like it's just mm-hmm. not going to be optimal for performance like you might see results on the scale like real fast but it's again it's it's fake so yeah like it takes time again it takes patience and you're going to have setbacks you're going to screw it up and there's going to be times you're going to gain weight or there's times you're going to be so hungry that it turns into just like a saying screw it or, or a binge or you're going to drink you're going to drink some alcohol and then that turns into like a binge right like ah screw it whatever i've been quote unquote good i'm just going to go for it here um so yeah, taking taking that all into consideration that it's not going to be linear. And it, even if you took eight weeks and you were perfect the whole time, like you probably won't be. But um, again, having some self-compassion and just some patience through that because things will bounce back. And that's why it's important, again, to collect this data um, 
as scary as the scale can be, it's, 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 and how much it sucks to see it go up one day. So like if you weigh 140 pounds one day and then you have a bad, a quote unquote bad day or like a, a, or whatever, and then you're 142 the next day, like, oh my God, I screwed everything up. You'll see in two days, you'll be back to where you were or even under. And that just kind of helps give, give that self-compassion and that, you know, there are going to be setbacks, but your body is going to respond um, if you're properly training and, and you're staying the course because this is a freaking process and it's not going to happen um, over the course of one to two to three weeks. So when it comes to, when it comes to like race weight, mm-hmm. when it comes to, to race weight, how does someone really find out what the best place is for them? This one is like interesting because there is some information available. I was actually Googling around. Have you ever seen these? There's like race weight calculators. No, I didn't know there was a race weight calculator. I, I, there, like, I have no idea what it's based off of. Maybe it is that old school formula that we talked about in the past, but it like asks for your weight, ask for your body fat percentage, which people definitely don't know. Um, and then it, and then it's like, how much time would you like to take off? It's like, okay, here's your appropriate weight, race weight. Um, so like that is, that's really subjective. I found like, it's hard to have like an objective number for everything. Um, and where I raced, so here's an example, right? Like again, just straight up anecdotal, um, talking about me. Uh, and when I raced my best, like 10 years ago, I weighed 153 pounds and I've since broken several of those PRs weighing like 163. Um, so I put, I emphasized the 100, but I meant to emphasize 60. 153 and 163. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so like, it just depends on like what your actual body composition looks like. My body composition is much different now um, in terms of muscle. So I might even, I may have been leaner now than what I was then, but like the weight itself doesn't necessarily associate with the, um, the performance uh, that, that you're gonna be related to. Um, do you, do you have anything you kind of look for in your own body composition when it comes to racing or are you always feeling pretty good going into like, okay, I mean, I mean, I'm, I, I don't feel much different no matter what. So I feel like I'm, I'm good to go here. So I, I have focused more on weight in the past. Um, when I went uh, a couple years ago going into world's toughest mudder and I was increasing volume and whatnot, I went into that race. I was 172 weeks out and then going into the race on like race day i was 165 i had a fantastic race i felt light as a feather i tried to replicate this going to west virginia uh last year i uh, rather than getting down to 165 like supernaturally just through like an increase in volume i was intentional in decreasing my calories uh i kept my calories too low for too long i did two weeks like right into the race went in with an energy deficiency and I felt it in the race and I actually did have, I mean, I felt like garbage. I, I was totally destroyed. I could hardly even do the barbed wire crawl. My body was to- super duper fatigued. And that's the only thing that I can point to. So same weight got there differently, felt terribly. I don't really look at my weight anymore. I don't own a scale. I go by, by feel if my, if I'm getting good sleep, if my energy is high, uh, you know, if like, uh, yeah, if my mind, if I feel invigorated, that's a good sign. Um, and to to point to some other some other evidence, I have, I have a client who I've been working with for just a few months now. This individual ran, uh, well, they, they they ran like in the mid twenties for a five k. Okay, to start out, they put on ten pounds. They were concerned about this ten pounds over the course of these these few months, and uh, we had a discussion and we we put them through another test. They took two and a half minutes off their five k. Holy shit. 
and we're talking about a 10-pound increase. So their body composition isn't where they really want it to be right now. However, their performance is showing that it is at a very good spot. So we're going to continue to build on performance while addressing the body composition things and see how we can kind of level those scales. But I wanted to say that to just kind of point out to other people that weight is not everything. Mm-hmm. 100%. And like n- now, like there's a couple of things that could account for that, you know, maybe his recovery is better, his power output's better, his running form, strength, whatever it is, or just his training is at a point where it's it's going to be better. And and body composition aside, he's seeing performance gains. So like ultimately that's 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 the case. And if there is a point where like, okay, we've maximized everything, then that's again, that's what we talked about in the beginning. It's like, okay, let's see what if we can drop two or three, um, where that leads to you then. And then like, and then if the performance doesn't shift or change because of that, like then you know you've already found your spot. So it does come down to, to testing and then retesting and making sure um, that you're playing around these things and seeing how that, that performance does, uh, does matter. And also he could just been fueled. Like how you said, going into a race and, and feeling – like lethargic and and there there is a certain feeling that comes along would would be like kind of like a bonk feeling of being undernourished that is just like this overwhelming fatigue and like this slow sluggish feeling that does screw up your performance um and you know maybe he was underfueled before and now being fueled enough and and being nourished everything is is good and he's he's they're cranking along um but that's Big a time cuz I was gonna. I was just gonna say. Uh, I was just gonna touch on like cortisol's role in that. Mm. I mean, if you're if you're in a caloric deficit and you're exercising, I mean, both of those things create. You know, you produce cortisol, uh, and combined, you have elevated cortisol for extended periods of time because cortisol is released to. It actually helps break down fuel sources in your body for energy. Uh, it can like you know take amino acids and boom like that help get some energy to your brain, keep you functioning, keep you surviving. You know, fight or flight, keeping trying to keep you alive. If that stays elevated for too long then it ends up kind of crashing and then you're not able to kind of cheat energy anymore. And then that is where the complete crash comes. Cause when it comes to race day and you're all amped up, that cortisol is flowing. You get out there and you're, you're, you know, you run as fast as you possibly can. You're feeling like an animal that cortisol is flowing. It's helping your brain function, your body function optimally. And if it's been elevated for so long that now it just can't anymore, you're not going to get that race day, you know, extra little kick. Yeah. And that's a, that's a great point with um, being like, because that would be a, considered a catabolic hormone, right? And like re- running right. in general is also very catabolic, breaking things down. And if it's not met with any type of anabolic hormone, like you're just going to kind of go down this hole and just kind of spiral into shitty performance. Um, so that's a great point. Because, uh, yeah, there's like this internal, these internal things that are going to happen um, that you might not even have any uh, like bearing on, <laughs> you know? And like you might not know why it's happening, but. Um, there are internal factors to that, which is a great point to bring up. Um, yeah, indubitably looking pretty um, good. Yeah. So I think we, we cover quite a bit on that, um, on the fat loss thing. And, you know, I think it is important to cover because, uh, like I said, I've, I've been extremely disappointed with the amount of information that is available. Yeah. I'm like I was looking at some stuff yesterday and like, there's like a, this super famous runner, elite runner who did this YouTube video and it was so terrible and generic and there's always so much generic stuff that it doesn't address the actual needs that an individual might have and it, again it's just because people are just trying to dance around it and there are needs and there's ways for people to address these and aside from uh not eating pizza <laughs> you know like and like we, we did talk about booze and but like and not drinking booze like those are the big ones that you can knock down first but when that once you're there like 
then what? And a lot of it does come down to, um, you know, the emotional response people do have to eating and their nutrition and then being able to work through those as well. So that's also a big point of that. And that's where it is helpful to have a coach as well, or someone to kind of work that out with, um, because you can be blind to your own habits and, uh, the education that you're, you've been given and what you've been around growing up, um, is really what you base a lot of this information on. And just again, societal norms that you've been told on what you should, uh, like what, how you should kind of have a relationship with food. What, were, what was it? Did you have any education on food like growing up? Like what was it like with your parents? Did they like tell you anything about food? Did they know anything? Not at all, dude. Not at all. And I think my first education getting into it was like looking pretty much how to put on muscle. So looking at bodybuilding stuff and it pretty much just came down to like chocolate milk and shitloads of like raspberry jam with cottage cheese and eggs and stuff. That's not bad. <laughs> just get it in, man. Just calories in. The uh, Yeah. Cause I mean like our parents generation, they, <clears throat> they came up right when like uh, quick, easy to make microwavable food and like food and like marketing in general really started popping off from like television and, and, and radio. And like, they like, they just didn't really have too much of a chance. <laughs> so like the generation ahead uh, that, that brought us up, um, their education was very low. I, I feel like people's education is extremely low now. Um, and there's uh, a wealth of information available to everybody. And they're still not kind of seeking, it's never really sought out or, 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 or they're never put in a position. It's never presented to them to learn about this. Um, so I feel like a lot of people are kind of coming from, from zero, even though like you eat food every day, every day. So you think you have an idea of what it is, but most people are coming from from pretty much nothing. Dude. It's, you know what it's every, when you learn something, there's like a language to it. Uh, if you look at like a a bumblebee, you can't see it, but the way they see a flower, it kind of like speaks to them. They, they literally can see things differently and tell like that's the flower that they want to go to or you know if this one has nectar there's like there's they uh something with like the the light waves all right when it comes to like a, a human looking at food if you're educated with the food you don't just see a burger you like you see the patty you see the bun and all the constituents of it you you can see you see the macros the micronutrients uh its purpose you just you view it differently and so your relationship with it becomes so much more involved and intimate and and can and in that sense it can be super duper healthy i love that right and there's a there's a purpose for almost everything i mean there's obviously some foods that um i know that that is a big part for for kind of how you approach things just the quality of things like the way things were raised or what was used to grow them or the dyes associated with them anything that's packaged is probably not gonna be great but there are there are foods like it's like okay like say pizza pizza is unhealthy it's like Mm, unless you have a gluten intolerance like, or you're intolerant to dairy, like probably not. It's just really easy to overeat. <laughs> it's just delicious and you eat a shitload of it. But if you know what it is, you know what you're looking at and you know what you, what it works for you. Like pizza is not like any less healthy than um, all those things on their own. It's just like, you'll just eat three slices and that's a bit too much, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, you know, you, you get to mix pleasure with purpose. You know, it's like, Oh, I'm not just going to eat pizza every night, but I'm going to go for a really big workout on Saturday. And it's like, well, afterwards the pizza would be like really perfect for that time. hundred percent. And like, I mean, you get to enjoy it. Yeah. And I mean, that's where the education comes in. Again, that's a delicate balance of what we said before, where it's like, you shouldn't train to eat, but like there is a place for that. Like you can enjoy your pizza. You can have, um, I like cake. I like donuts. <laughs> you know, like that's my shit. Um, What's your favorite donut? Dude, but there's these donuts here in town called Federal Donuts. They're actually like, like a cake donut, which I didn't think I liked because uh, I, I grew up with like Dunkin' Donuts, which are like the yeast ones. 
But dude, like a good cake donut, chocolate, if it's like a triple chocolate, anything chocolate. God damn. It's Can you good. overnight ship me a box right now? I might have to. I could, I could that. <laughs> How could we keep that preserved? Um, maybe some dry ice situation. I don't know. Um, but yeah, but like, you know, like you can have these things if like, as long as you know what works for you again, like if you're not for gluten intolerant or something, probably not. Or if you're like, whatever. Um, right. But cool, man. Um, sweet. Anything else yes. you want to add on? No, nah, you know what? It's uh, this was a good discussion. There's a, there's a lot of other things that I would love to bring to the table talking about like hormones and stuff in the role in this, but that's getting a little nerdy. I don't know if that's for everybody. Maybe I'll, uh, I'll put up some info about that later. But this was this was good, brother. I think a hormone conversation would be good. I think it is important to have the actual uh, function of, of the food that you're taking in and like how that's going to affect your body other than just uh, calories, you know, <laughs> calories. And Cheers. Well, I'd love to discuss that. So anyone that's like nerdy and really into that want to also understand uh, and uh, the, the, the details, the nuts and bolts of the nutrition stuff, what's beyond the macros, tune in later. We, time. we can talk about it. We can talk about whatever the fuck we want. This is our podcast. <laughs> you know, whatever. They don't, they don't want to do They can turn on Joe Rogan later. It's fine. Um, <laughs> what you got going on this week? You're, you're nursing your hammy. You, you busted yourself up. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I'll roll this thing out. I'll probably get some more vert because the vert feels real good on that, uh, that Nordic track. And uh, probably going to go for a bike ride. I'm going to go, uh, me and some homies, we're going to go like do a fire tower bike thing. So we'll, Go from up one fire tower up a mountain, then we'll go get on our bikes, hop to the other one, and bike to the other one, just for funsies, nice. you know. Cool. Yeah, sounds fun. Yeah, get together. Yeah. How are things doing over by you, brother? Good, man. Yeah, just preparing for burpee 10k and a beer mile. I haven't practiced oh, anything on beer mile. I was hoping you wouldn't mention those. Oh yeah, <laughs> we're happening. You haven't seen? <sighs> yeah, do the, the running public 10 burpee 10k. That's gonna be rough. I think I, I was telling in that group chat we got. I did a burpee like three mile. Um where I ended up doing like seven rounds of the burpees and it's like the burpee 10 K is 10 is a uh, every 800 do 20 burpees for 10 K. Um, so it ends up going to be 240 burpees. So I did, I did 107, no 140. Yeah. Yeah. I did 140 to mine and like it, it sucked. <laughs> the burpees are Dude. definitely going to be a limiting factor, at least for me. What do you think? What do you think is going to be a good time? Like a solid winning time for that? <sighs> I don't know. Like when I was doing the burpees, I was keeping them under a minute still. So I was like between like, I started at like 50, but ended up being more like 58, 59 toward the end of it. And I'm guessing that's going to drift for me into like, you know, 105, 110, maybe by the last couple rounds. Um, but I was running like 530s in between. What? Yeah. So I don't know. So I don't, so I, I didn't do the actual math on, on how long that's going to take. And I didn't even look at how long the three mile would take, but it's going to take a long fucking time. <laughs> it's going to take a really long time. Like it, most people are going to be like an hour. You know, I think, yeah, I think if you're under an hour, it's going to be pretty good. Yeah, so I was listening to the Running Public, and they think that like forty nine minutes would take it. So they landed on, on forty nine minutes. Like they just what did they like? Why not? Why not fifty fifty? Like why why forty nine? Forty nine twenty seven. Well, let's see if you can run like a solid. What do you think? Oh, so, uh, okay, ten k, six point two. If you run a six minute mile, you're running like thirty six something, right? Yeah, I think right. Wait, okay. six. Uh, yeah, like 37 minutes. And then you're dropping down for burpees how many times? 12 times? 12 times. Say it takes a minute. Right. Okay, so that gets you 48. It's 48. 
So mm. if I run 530s, I'm going to be faster than this. I don't oh. foresee myself running much slower than 530s, honestly. The running didn't feel bad. The worst part was I was doing it in the grass. I would get up out of the grass and my, my allergies, my breathing would be all messed up. <clears throat> oh, man. But the, oh. Run, the, the burpees might take longer than a minute by the end. So 49 is not a – that's actually not a terrible it's – not, it's not a terrible estimate. <laughs> I'm going to be able to sandbag this at all. I'm going to try to find a track. I don't know. Are you going to be able to do it on track? I'm going to be able to do it on a track. Yeah. I was going to try to get out to one. Um, like the closest track is like probably eight miles from here. So I was going to ride my bike six miles and then run to the track for my run warm up and then see see how my legs would feel do, during it. Um, but I might just Uber there. <laughs> just, there you go. Just deal with it. Just wear there a mask in my Uber. I, I was considering doing it on the treadmill, but one that's like kind of lame and just be like too monotonous. But also, dude, I didn't realize like how important it is to have wind going past your body when you're running. Like I knew it conceptually, I knew it was important, but like really feeling it and being on a treadmill really hot. when it's hot as shit and there's no air taking the, you know, wicking sweat off you and cooling you. Oh my God. It's unbelievable. Uh, yeah. How's it been with the, the, the incline trainer? Have you been just grinding? Dude, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. It makes it's do, being on 15% now feels really easy. I'm actually looking forward to doing another 15 at 15 uh, test and see how that works out. But yeah, like being able to hike up at 40, 40%, it's uh it's really good for like building muscular endurance and uh, being able to like keep the heels elevated. Uh, I just, the mechanics of it and the strength factor feel really nice. And it'll be cool to see how it, how, how it ends up serving me, you know, in the future, but it is fun. Dude, I'm jealous. Yeah. Definitely don't do the burpee mile on that thing though. That would suck. Well, does it, will it stay running for a minute while you're, is that like a, cause whenever I do something like that in the gym, if I'm off the thing for like 20 seconds, it stops. Yeah. Those things. Yeah. In the gym, they, they cap, they, they get set those like safety stuff. Real quick. No, you, it's pretty can sweet. you turn that off? You can just I, run. You can leave yeah, it running so for I, forever. I can get off. I can get off, and it'll just keep. It'll keep on going. Uh, but I can also pause it, and it'll pause for ten minutes, which is a good amount of time. Nice. Yeah, yeah. But then it takes a minute to get back going. You need to keep, yeah, keep running. It gets up to speed pretty quick, though. Do it on the track. So, It'll be better. Whatever. Whatever. It'll be great. Yeah. Um, all right, cool, dude. Well, where can we find you on, on the socials? You're dropping some some knowledge. I hope people saw that your your kettlebell tutorial. That was pretty cool. People like that episode. That was a good episode. Nice. Yeah, kettlebells are sweet. Uh, <laughs> Joshua Reed, uh, J underscore S-H-U-A underscore R-I-E-D. Yeah. Rich, sweet. brother, where you at? Reinforced underscore running underscore rich. Like I said, it's basically just to promote the podcast anymore. I, I hear know. you, man. If you can send me a message, I'll respond to them. But usually I'm just... Doing podcast stuff. <laughs> it's good content and you know what man i am uh i'm really excited right now because we didn't we didn't say anything about it but west virginia's on yeah for the beast you, yeah they changed it to a beast mm. that's good are you, are you going my brother gets married that day oh. <laughs> so like yeah the only the only opportunity to race not gonna be there i will so. race for you you're going though absolutely dude. dude i got beef with that course like i was saying before i, I tried to like cut weight last year and uh, i ended up having a an okay race but like personally how i felt about it it wasn't it wasn't that great so you'll do well you'll do well this year kick some yeah. tushy this year yeah buddy Excited i like that it. i'll be yeah. fun it's gonna be fun and if anyone else wants to kick some tushy hit rich or myself up let's talk and we'll help you yeah all right dude <laughs> we'll sign it off peace